All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and today on the podcast, we dive into Tuesday night's matchups in SEC basketball. Uh, we also take a look at the bubble picture uh, for SEC teams, and there are multiple ones currently still on the NCAA tournament bubble. We'll look at how that picture is shaping up, plus uh, the weekly power rankings, which, uh, as mentioned on Monday's episode, usually on Monday's show, uh, but we decided to jump into SEC basketball officiating. So uh, we'll do the weekly power rankings uh, here on the Tuesday episode. But uh, let's go ahead and look ahead to uh, the matchups in SEC basketball on Tuesday night. Ole Miss uh, will head to Auburn. The Rebels uh, trying to get back on track uh, after losing several in a row here and really uh, you know, played pretty well uh, in the games that they lost uh, at Missouri and at Kentucky. Uh, not so much uh, against Alabama the other night, uh, with Alabama getting a 25-point win in Oxford. Uh, but uh, we'll try to rebound here against uh, an Auburn team, uh, which as of this recording, uh, we still don't know whether they will or won't have Isaac Okoro on the floor. Uh, in the previous matchup between these two, uh, Okoro had 14 points and 9 rebounds in 44 minutes, which uh, of course was an overtime game at Ole Miss. Auburn got the one-point win. In that game, uh, a lot of free throws were shot, 68 free throws in that one. Um, Brian Tyree, and it's worth noting, only had eight points in that game, and he only went one of eight from the floor. He did foul out uh, in that one. And if you look at Auburn's side of things from a scoring standpoint, we mentioned Okoro's numbers. Um, Auburn had great scoring balance, and they had 16 offensive rebounds, which is another thing that you know we see from a lot of SEC teams. If you can get those offensive boards, get second-chance opportunities, and Auburn is a team that, that can do that uh, when you think about what they have inside, when you have someone like Austin Wiley's ability to do that, uh, even someone like Isaac Okoro, Anthony McLemore. You go on down the line, um, that's an important aspect, I think, for Auburn. Especially in a game like this, uh, where you know they they were able to attack the glass last time in this game against Ole Miss, and now we'll try to do the same again here. Uh, you know, Ole Miss only has one road win in the SEC, despite some of these performances where they've played well away from home. Uh, they still only have one road win, and um, that's something that probably you know if you're someone who's wanting to to look at this game and and try to have some confidence in picking Ole Miss to to come in and get an upset here, uh, that's probably a stat that's not exactly great to support uh, that theory. And like I said, though, it is one where not knowing, you know, whether Isaac Okoro is going to play and really knowing that Auburn surely picked up a lot of momentum after that comeback win against Tennessee because uh, this was a team that was was reeling. I mean, they were not playing well in those recent games, losing double-digit games on the road. And to be able to bounce back and get that win against Tennessee uh, in that fashion, uh, that has to give them, you know, a big boost. And again, this game is being played at Auburn Arena. And as we've said many times, uh, the Tigers have just proven to be a much tougher team at Auburn Arena. And uh, I think that's what presents a pretty big challenge here for Ole Miss. Uh, Brian Tyree is going to need to have a big game. You look at the matchup here for Auburn, it just seems like a good spot. Uh, Bouncing back, getting a lot of momentum from that win against Tennessee and the way that they did it. 
So I'll pick uh, Auburn 81, Ole Miss 71 here. Uh, I just like where the Tigers are at after that comeback victory. Still some things that they have to, to work on. There's no doubt about it. Uh, this team is not without its flaws, and not having Isaac Okoro on the floor, uh, they are probably a lot more noticeable. Uh, but once he gets back, I think it's going to, to sort of show just how important he is to that team. And uh, we're starting to see some things uh, from them where, hey, I mean, they're they're at home and you can pick apart what they've done on the road. But in a game like this, uh, really hard to pick against Bruce Pearl's team uh, in this matchup against the Rebels. Kentucky heads to College Station to take on Texas A&M. And here's a matchup that looks a lot more interesting than we thought it would. Uh, probably several weeks ago. The Aggies' offensive stats, which we've talked about a lot here on this podcast, are nothing impressive. However, they are misleading at this point based on how they played in recent games. Even with their impressive three-point shooting the past couple games, they're still ranking 349th nationally in three-point percentage at 27.6%. And so I think you have to sort of throw the overall stats out the window here and look at how Texas A&M has been playing They got that really nice road win in Alabama. They came back, beat a Mississippi State team that's trying to play its way onto the bubble. Uh, They beat them by double digits at home. And so the Aggies, I mean, realistically, playing as well as anyone right now over the past week or so, that makes this much tougher for a Kentucky team that is playing as well as anyone, period. Uh, But it's it's a much more fascinating game, I think, when you look at it from a matchup standpoint because, you know, something with these two teams, too, Uh, Both of them rank in the top six nationally in getting a high percentage of their points from the free throw line. So when you look at the distribution of how they get their scoring, both of these teams in the top six in the country in terms of getting a really good chunk of their scoring from the free throw line. And so uh, that's going to make for for an interesting matchup here uh, when you look at sort of the the matchups one through five. And one a lot of people are going to look at is Josh Nebo inside for the Aggies, Nick Richards inside uh, for Kentucky. How does a matchup like that play out between those two? Because Josh Nebo, and we we know how good Nick Richards is, and I think you, you've heard a lot about how good Nick Richards is, but I don't know that Josh Nebo has gotten enough attention for what he's been able to do for this Texas A&M team because he has been really, really good for the Aggies. When you just look at his numbers, I mean, he, he was already, you know, when he came in to Texas A&M last year, we talked a lot about his ability on the defensive side of the court to block shots and really be that that rim defender that they needed. But when you look at his overall game now and how it's expanded, uh, you know he's been a a really solid scorer for them. I mean, he had 21 in the game against Mississippi State. Uh, he's played really well in some of their other games here throughout the season. And and you know with his rebounding as well, I mean it's it's going to be fun to to see how these two guys match up against each other. Uh, and that is that's a great individual matchup in a game like this. And knowing that you know there probably is going to be a lot of potential plays at the rim here because of of the free throws and knowing how many of these players on on each team want to try to get their points uh, attacking the rim and trying to, you know, get to the free throw line to get points there because these are two teams that, you know, overall, not the past couple games for the Aggies, but overall, not great three-point shooting teams. And the same as Kentucky, though. As we've said many times now, you know, Kentucky is a much better three-point shooting team away from home than they are in Lexington. So that's another storyline to watch in this one. Um, I will pick Kentucky 74, Texas A&M 69. Uh, I just think with the way Emmanuel quickly has been playing and you look at his stats, I've uh, just been so impressed with him. And you guys have seen me talk about that a lot on Twitter, looking at some of his numbers. 
I think since their game against Louisville, I think that's 16 games. Um, he's averaging 18.5 points per game. Uh, he's had at least 11 points in all the games. Um, he's averaging 36 minutes a game and yet only has 22 total turnovers uh, since that game against Louisville in late December. Uh, he's just been so impressive, and that's why we continue to talk about, and again, to give credit to, to Kyle Tucker of The Athletic and Locked On Kentucky um, you know, for sort of putting this out there. And I think a lot of people have started to say, you know what, he's got a really good point here uh, that Emmanuel Quickly could very well be the SEC Player of the Year based on how he's playing. And I think because of that, uh, just knowing how consistent he's been, uh, I feel like this is another one of those games where he could sort of take over down the stretch and give Kentucky the boost that it needs to come away with what is going to undoubtedly be a hard-fought victory uh, against a team that is playing really, really well. Uh, this should be a grinded-out type of game. And uh, again, one that I think is a lot more intriguing uh, than maybe people want to to admit based on how well Texas A&M has been playing. But uh, coming up, a big bubble game in Starkville between Alabama and Mississippi State. Uh, Plus, how the bubble looks uh, for multiple teams in the SEC. It is shaping up uh, to be very, very interesting for these teams that are on the bubble. We'll get into that uh, right here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And the other game on Tuesday night, Alabama at Mississippi State. Uh, The previous matchup between these two, you have to go all the way back Uh, to the second game of the SEC uh, schedule. Uh, So different teams uh, in different spots than they were then. Um, Both of them, as we've seen, have really both come a long way since that point and are now in a position to potentially make the NCAA tournament. Alabama won that first meeting by 21 in Tuscaloosa. Uh, What really stood out about that one, if you go through the stats, um, Alabama had six players in that game score between 9 and 18 points. So that's that's exactly what you want if you're a coach. To have that type of balance, uh, there's no doubt that Nate Oates love to see that with six players between 9 and 18 points. Um, and one of the things I remember people talking about after that game, Alabama did out-rebound Mississippi State in that first game, and that was something that, you know, at that point, we looked at Mississippi State, one of the, the taller teams in the country in terms of their overall size, uh, and then certainly I think their athleticism athleticism speaks for itself. Uh, but yet Alabama was able to, to win the rebounding battle there. And I think that's going to be the key once again here if Alabama wants to win this game. Uh, I would be surprised if it's another 20-point victory, uh, but there's no doubt that Alabama has a chance to win it. Uh, but but rebounding is going to play a role, and it's going to have to be you know front and center here because uh, knowing that you know Mississippi State is a team that. I think sort of up and down sometimes on offense. Um, you know, they're still a team, though, that has a lot of really good offensive players and some guys that can take over games. I mean, we've seen that, you know, with Nick Weatherspoon, Reggie Perry, Robert Woodard. You go up and down the line. There are a lot of capable guys on, on the, the floor that can sort of take over, but you can say the same thing for Alabama, uh, who gets a nice boost of confidence, I think, from what they did at Ole Miss. This is one where, and I know you can go back to the Auburn game and say, well, you know, they made 22 three-pointers in that game, uh, set a record and all, but this is still a team sometimes I think we've seen that can be a little bit different on the road. And I think it's also worth noting, you know, Mississippi State, if you look at them, I mean, they've they've been a much better team at home. They, they haven't lost an SEC home game since their first game of the SEC play against Auburn. So this is a team that's playing a lot better at home than on the road, certainly when you look at, at the, how their, their record is shaked out. 
Um, but it's one, too, where I think Alabama has gained a lot more confidence away from home in recent weeks, and that's something, you know, scoring 105 points at Georgia, they scored 103 at Ole Miss. Um, you know, this is one where you look at the Tide, I mean, they actually are, and you can think about the game they had against Auburn, you know, they actually are playing pretty well on the road, and I don't know that we've always been able to say that about this Alabama team at this point in the season. Of course, you'd like to play better at home and win that game against Texas A&M, and we're having a different discussion on the bubble, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but uh, this is this is a fun matchup because uh, I think you can sort of look at it both ways, and no doubt for Mississippi State, it's it's stopping the, Alabama's three-point shooting because when they get hot, I mean, they can completely change the game so quickly due to how many threes they take. But also on the on the flip side of that, I think for Alabama, it's if the threes aren't falling, you have to continue to attack the rim. And we saw that in the Ole Miss game. Uh, attacking the rim against Mississippi State, a harder challenge because it is a team that has more size with Reggie Perry and Abdul Adu, uh, both in the paint, you know, protecting the rim. It's going to be challenging for, for the Tide to score in this game uh, if they're not making three-pointers. And so it's uh, going to be very interesting to, to see how it plays out. And since Alabama fans continue uh, to request that I pick against them because that usually means good things uh, for uh, the outcome of their game since I did pick Ole Miss recently too, but this has been a theme uh, that's gone back the last couple of seasons uh, with Alabama fans, uh, I will do them a favor and I will pick Mississippi State 80, Alabama 78. Uh, I think it's a toss-up. Take your pick on this one because uh, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun and it's going to be a game where, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out from a matchup standpoint because uh, if Alabama's not hitting threes, you know, are they able to get to the rim? Are they able to win the rebounding battle again uh, against this Mississippi State team? And can they stop Mississippi State from getting those offensive rebounds and second-chance opportunities, something that they've been able to thrive on a lot? Um, So lots of dynamics in play in this one. And no doubt that the winner uh, is going to take a step forward when it comes to the NCAA tournament conversation. And that brings us to a great graphic from a friend of the show at Tide Hoops News on Twitter. Yes, uh, it's a Alabama-focused uh, Twitter account, but uh, he does a great job with lots of stuff, not just for Alabama basketball. Uh, shares a lot of great stuff uh, as it relates to the SEC as well. And he put out a tweet, which I will link to in the show notes, uh, showing how all the different resumes shape up for the bubble teams right now that are in the conversation uh, in Joe Lenardi's uh, latest bracketology. And uh, it's pretty fascinating when you look at it from the SEC standpoint. Uh, Alabama seemingly at this point, um, you know, when you compare them to Mississippi State, South Carolina, uh, Arkansas not included on this graphic. We'll get to them here in just a second. Um, but when you sort of compare the resumes of those three in particular, looking at Alabama, South Carolina, Mississippi State, uh, they're pretty interesting. Uh, when you look at South Carolina, they have the most quad one wins of that group. Uh, they have four of them. However, what the Gamecocks also have that Alabama, Mississippi State don't have is a quad four loss. And so when you combine that into factor into the mix, um, you can see why maybe South Carolina a little bit further down than a team like Mississippi State or even a spot lower than Alabama. Uh, Alabama, Mississippi State, uh, they have two quad ones wins each at this point, um, which are important when you look at your resume. You want as many of those as you can get. um, And, you know, you want to avoid the bad losses. And that's where you look at how it's played out for all of these different teams and how that factors into strength of schedule. 
Alabama at 23 in the strength of schedule right now, uh, Mississippi State at 49, and South Carolina at 67. Uh, so it's a very, very fascinating graphic, and I would highly suggest you go check it out. Like I said, I will link it in the show notes, but it's not just about the SEC teams. It's all the teams that are right there on that bubble, You know what their net rankings are right now. Alabama currently at 40, Mississippi State uh, is at 57, South Carolina is at 63. So when you just look at the teams uh, in terms of their net rankings, that's where they stand. And I think Alabama, if you compare them to all the other bubble teams, I think they're third in terms of looking at uh, the net ranking in terms of overall ranking. And that's where you look at that strength of schedule helping. Uh, Stanford is 31 in the net, uh, and then you have Utah State at 38, and then Alabama's next at 40. But, you know, you look at all the other metrics that go into it, and this is something that you have to remember. It's not just one metric here or one metric there. It's the entire body of work from the entire season and this graphic shows you all the different metrics that that go into it um, and really how the numbers look right now for each of these teams and it is it's something that that will be very helpful if you're trying to compare you know where why should this team be ahead of this team in the bubble race or what are the numbers that support this team having a better opportunity to make the NCAA tournament than some of the teams behind them so Highly suggest checking that out because it does give you a better picture of where things stand now and maybe what these teams need to do moving forward in order to have a chance to be in that conversation in the NCAA tournament uh, once we get to the SEC tournament and then going into Selection Sunday. And as I said, Arkansas not included because as of right now, you don't see them uh, on that next four outline in Lenardi's bracket. And remember, that's what he's using in this particular graphic here uh, is based on Joe Lenardi's uh, bubble picture as it stands right now. Uh, but for Arkansas, I mean, it's pretty simple at this point. And I've said this to a lot of people. Uh, it's just you have to win games. There, there's no other way. There's no You can't try to sort of say, okay, well, what if we lose one or two the rest of the way? How could we get in? That can't be the focus here. For Arkansas, it really has to be about winning games. They have to win uh, to have a chance to stay in the conversation. Um, and they're going to have opportunities. If they can beat Tennessee, they'll take a step forward. Um, you know, Then you have to go win at Georgia. And then you come home against LSU. Then you've got to go to A&M. So I think the best scenario for Arkansas, obviously, is to win out. Uh, that would put them in a much better spot if they show that during that five-game losing streak without Isaiah Joe, they lost all those games. He comes back and they win five in a row. Then you're having a much different conversation, and you can certainly influence, uh, you know, looking, telling everyone, hey, if you're on the committee and you see this, uh, obviously look at the huge difference when we have, you know, arguably our best player, second best player, however you want to look at it, on the floor. Uh, if you go four and one, I think at that point, it's probably a situation where, you know, if Arkansas goes four and one, they, the loss probably has to come against LSU. It can't come against AM, it can't come against Georgia probably can't come against Tennessee. Um, in that scenario, they would still have to you know, win a game or two in the SEC tournament. But remember, this is all hypothetical because when you find yourself on the bubble, it's it has a lot to do with what you do as a team in terms of winning, but it also has a lot to do with what everyone else does. And that's why it's so uh, sort of rocky when you're on the bubble uh, because it can go up and down based on what other teams do around the country. So uh, the best formula, as I said on Twitter, is to win games. If you win games, uh, you're going to help yourself, but uh, then even at the same time, it is a lot about what other teams do too and how they build their own resumes uh, rather than just your own resume uh, because uh, you know that's what you kind of put yourself into when you, when you play your way onto the bubble is that uh, it's, it's almost dependent on what you do plus 
what everyone else is doing. So it should be pretty fun to see how things unfold for the SEC when it comes to the bubble picture heading into the NCAA tournament. Uh, But coming up, uh, we will look at the weekly SEC basketball power rankings, a very jumbled mess in the middle trying to figure out uh, who should be ranked ahead of who. Uh, We'll look at that next here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We jump into the SEC basketball power rankings for the week. Uh, start number 14, Vanderbilt. You know, another one of those games, the Commodores, just a uh, snake bit type of team. Uh, the way they lost that game to Georgia, clearly this team is getting a lot better. Anyone who's watched and play understands that. Saban Lee just uh, coming off of a, a tremendous performance uh, he had against Georgia. And, you know, it's just, man, you just you feel for this team sometimes with all the bad luck they've had the past couple seasons. They had their opportunities to win that Georgia game uh, and could have a lot more confidence right now. But now prepare for a whole matchup against Missouri, um, you know, on a five-game losing streak. And really, even as well as they play, just can't seem to find enough play down the stretch to pick up these victories. Number 13 is Georgia. Uh, Tyree Crump's game winner. The Bulldogs uh, finally get a little bit of momentum of their own um, after you know not really playing well on the road or playing well, period, in terms of uh, some of the things uh, that they did you know, through the throughout the bulk of SEC play, but getting that win against Auburn, now bouncing back with a win at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, it's, it's big for Tom Crean's team, and they'll try to keep their momentum going on Wednesday as they will play at South Carolina. At number 12, I uh, have Ole Miss, uh, the Rebels. Despite what we mentioned earlier, how well they're playing, uh, they just can't seem to turn it into wins, and uh, that's kind of what you have to do at this point in the season is to find a way to win games. Uh, they lost those two you know, close ones at Kentucky and Missouri, and then to have the one play out against Alabama under you know unique type of circumstances with your head coach getting ejected uh, basically you know just a couple minutes into the second half, five minutes into the second half, uh, and then having Brian Tyree foul out with I think it was a little over eight minutes left in the game, uh, things just got out of control, and uh, it was just one of those one of those games for, for the Rebels, and uh, not something they probably wanted to have happen based on how well they had been playing. Uh, really, the, this past several weeks, uh, even before that, you know, they had that three game winning streak against South Carolina, Florida, and Mississippi State. Uh, so maybe Ole Miss uh, able to pick up a little more confidence if they can play well at Auburn Arena. And number 11, I have Missouri, uh, another team that's been playing well as of late. And uh, I don't think just losing at Arkansas, I don't think just completely knocks Missouri out in terms of saying, hey, all of a sudden, you know, they're just a terrible team again. I think that was more about Isaiah Joe, as we mentioned, uh, him playing as well as he has. Uh, But, uh, you know, Missouri has to, though, they have to pick it up on the road. And we said that they have been a different team away from home, uh, and now add, you know, another double-digit loss on the road, um, and we'll have to go to Vanderbilt on Wednesday night, so uh, that's one to to watch out for as well, and we'll talk about that game uh, on Wednesday's episode, but uh, the Tigers playing better, no doubt about it, and uh, just a matter of, you know, like we're saying, playing better on the road and, and trying to prove it away from home. At number 10, I do have Arkansas, although I think that's one where, you know, I would probably be surprised if we have Arkansas at number 10 after this week, uh, because I think they're just going to sort of show, or at least they should be able to with games this week against Tennessee and Georgia, that they are a better team and that this just wasn't, you know, one of those games that that Isaiah Joe comes back and they just win one of these games and maybe, you know, lose a couple next. They're going to be a better team and they're clearly a better team with him on the court. Uh, so I would probably look at Arkansas's ranking right here and just say, hey, it kind of is what it is for this week. Uh, and once again, my personal opinion, um, this is based on, on watching these teams play. And, and, you know, now that he's back on the court, 
I would expect Arkansas to have a really good chance uh, to move up uh, the power rankings here uh, going into next week. Number nine, I do have their opponent uh, for Wednesday night. It's Tennessee. Uh, the Vols, you know, they looked really good in that first half against Auburn and really even going into the second half, um, you know, they, they had their chances to completely, you know, dominate that game and put it away. But uh, Auburn rallies for the, the win after, you know, a 17-point deficit, and that's one that Tennessee just let get away. And uh, for the Vols, you know, a team, as we've said, has a tough schedule down the stretch. Um, they would have loved to have that one because that would have catapulted them right back into the NCAA tournament picture. Uh, but now it doesn't get any easier. They have to go to Arkansas on Wednesday. Then their final three uh, will be against Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn. So uh, finding wins for the Vols down the stretch, not going to be an easy task. Uh, but uh, if they can play like they did, you know, for that first however many minutes, uh, they could they could win some of these games. But it's just about putting them together and being much better uh, on offense. At number eight, uh, I have Alabama, and this is another team kind of like Arkansas. I'm not really sure where you put Alabama because, um, you know, it, it's one of those where one day Alabama could probably be as high as three on this list. Uh, the next day, Alabama may be a team that looks like number 11 or 12 on this list. So um, it's just it's hard to know, and that's why these these power rankings each week, and, and, and we've said this for several years in a row in the SEC, the middle has always been one where I just don't know how you separate some of these teams uh, because when you think about it, it's like, well, you know, is Alabama probably a better team right now than, let's say, some of the teams that are going to be ahead of them? Well, you would think that, and based on how they played in some of these games, sure, but yet they still lose some of the, so, you know, a game like that to the team that we're about to talk about. And, you know, you kind of wonder, well, can you justify putting them ahead of it? Um, you know, again, these rankings are for fun, and I'm not sure how you separate some of these teams, but we know that when Alabama is playing its best, um, Alabama can be a top four, top five team in the SEC, and they're a team that can win multiple games in a tournament setting because when they get going on offense, they're really hard to stop. And so uh, Alabama are a really hard team to place in doing a, a weekly power rankings of any sort because uh, you just don't know where they should be because uh, they have so many stretches where they look good. They have these other stretches where, where maybe they just you know have games that you feel like they, they should have put it together, uh, and they should have done that uh, probably against the number seven team on the list, which is Texas A&M. And they've moved up quite a bit uh, since last week's rankings, and, and you know based on the results, I think it's justified. When you look at the Aggies, three in a row here, they've won um you know they beat Georgia then they come back win at Alabama win at home against Mississippi State and so I think you look at at this team right now and you have to say you know (laughs) they're playing as well as anybody and and that's a good place to be when you're getting ready to host uh, Kentucky who is playing you know at the best at the top level of anyone in the SEC Uh, so really love what what Buzz Williams is doing there and you want your team playing its best uh, during the stretch run of the season and that's exactly what the Aggies are doing right now number six I have South Carolina Uh, I think this is another one where you know you look at the Gamecocks They've lost back-to-back games, but, you know, close losses to Mississippi State and LSU, I don't think that's anything you really just look at and say, well, you know, all of a sudden South Carolina is just a a team that we should just move really far back or not expect anything from. You know, two hard-fought games um, against two good opponents, and, you know, looking at it before that, I mean, they had won a lot of games here over the past month or so prior to these two losses. So I'm not ready to just completely drop South Carolina out of this conversation. I still think they have a lot of depth, um, and I still think that they have a lot of potential to to win games uh, once we get to the SEC tournament, and they are another team that will look to finish strong and really seem to have a, a schedule that could you know be able to, to allow them to do that uh, when you look at it. They have Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt 
left in the regular season. So the Gamecocks could pick up uh, a little momentum after this two-game losing streak. And number five, I do have Mississippi State. And this is another one where, you know, you look at Mississippi State, and I think I've been higher on Mississippi State than most people throughout the season just in, in seeing how they're able to play. And, you know, they got off to that 0-3 start in SEC play, and a lot of people were wondering, oh, my, you know, could this be something where Ben Howland all of a sudden finds himself on the hot seat? Uh, is this season really going to go that south for them? But even with that loss at Texas A&M, I still feel pretty good about where the Bulldogs are at. And they are another team, though, and, and we have to, to point this out. They, they have been a different team on the road. You know, they got blown out at Ole Miss. They got, you know, lost by 12 at Texas A&M. Uh, but I actually still thought they played pretty well at A&M. I just think they caught a team at the wrong time that's playing really hot. Um, and then they have the, you know, they have the road win in Arkansas, too, on the resume. Yes, that was without Isaiah Joe. Uh, but uh, to, to get those wins against Arkansas, South Carolina, and now, you know, even to come back and lose that game at A&M, I still think Mississippi State is really, really good. And, you know, this is a big game against Alabama. Uh, but, you know, really, you could probably teams from, I'd say, five to eight in this range, maybe even five to ten. You could throw Tennessee and Arkansas in that mix. You could interchange in a lot of different spots uh, going from, you know, Arkansas at 10 down to Mississippi State at 5 uh, because all of these teams we've seen, they, they just go back and forth a lot. And uh, so take your pick on the 10 to 5 range uh, in any SEC basketball power rankings you try to put together. Uh, number four, I do have Florida. Uh, the Gators had their opportunities at Kentucky, you know, almost made that rally to get a win. Uh, but, you know, they're playing better. And I think that's something that Florida fans have to at least feel good about. They're putting themselves in a position where they're playing a lot better, and and that's good because there were times where we didn't know that this team was ever going to figure it out. Um, I think you know after that home loss against Mississippi State in late January, we were not sure if this Florida team was going to figure it out or uh, if this team was really going to wind up missing the NCAA tournament. But they they've come on strong. Uh, you know, had their chances at Kentucky, won three straight before that, uh, won five of six overall before that. So uh, now get ready to come back to Gainesville to play LSU. Not an easy schedule either the rest of the way, but uh, if they can get this win against LSU, uh, I think Mike White has to feel good about where his team's at, and maybe we start to trust Florida a little bit more uh, as a team that, that could make a Sweet 16 type of run in the NCAA tournament. Number three, I do have LSU. I was impressed with LSU's response, uh, getting that win at South Carolina. That was a good bounce back win for them, given the struggles they've had in recent weeks. Uh, Still give up 80 points. I know that's not where you want to be if you're Will Wade, but uh, overall, uh, a nice win for for the Tigers. And now, you know, now they go to to, to Florida to play. And that's a big game for both teams because, you know, right now they're both on that 8-9 seed range. Uh, So the winner, you know, possibly having a chance to move up. uh, The loser I wouldn't think moves down a whole lot in terms of their seeding or anything just from one game like that but I think LSU would love to keep that momentum going, getting a nice road win, um, you know, after their struggles they had on the road themselves. Uh, going and winning at Florida would be a big boost for this team, and I think you'd have to put them, you know, if they go win this game uh, against the Gators, uh, you'd have to feel a lot better about where LSU is at and feel a little bit better uh, about what they're capable of uh, away from home. Number two is Auburn. Um, the Tigers, as we said, uh, still without Isaac Okoro. I'm not sure as of you know this recording if he's going to play against Ole Miss, but uh, I, I still look at Auburn the way they rallied against Tennessee. They just they have that relentless sort of approach, and even in a situation where this team gets down by double digits. I think still in the back of your mind, you're always thinking that Auburn has a chance to win, and I think that says a lot 
about where this team is at. Uh, still would like to see them play better away from home since uh, they do have the four losses this season all on the road by double digits. Um, so you would like to see them play better there, uh, but uh, and they'll have two opportunities to prove that the rest of the way in the regular season as they will go to Kentucky and Tennessee. So it uh, should be interesting to see how those two road games play out for the Tigers. And speaking of Kentucky, uh, number one is Kentucky. Uh, the Wildcats just playing very, very good basketball right now. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, probably don't love the way they finished a couple of these games recently, but uh, with everyone really sort of stepping up, I know Ashton Hagen's been dealing with injuries, um, but with Emmanuel quickly playing like he is, Nick Richards still playing very well, uh, other guys stepping up, making contributions. Uh, it's clear that Kentucky's the best team in the SEC right now, and um, you know this is just a team that I think is is starting to sort of round into form, which is nothing unusual with a John Calipari team uh, here in late February, and uh, we're probably based on how they finished the regular season, uh, you know, we're probably going to look at Kentucky going into the SEC tournament as the favorite and uh, potentially start to talk about them uh, being back in that conversation in terms of a potential Final Four contender. But that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Locked on SEC podcast. Uh, as always, be sure to subscribe. Uh, head over to any podcast app that you use. Just search for Locked on SEC. And uh, again, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, be sure to leave a nice five-star rating or review it just helps the podcast reach more listeners, and uh, I can't thank you guys enough for, for just lots and lots of positive feedback thus far. Uh, you guys are great, and I always appreciate you listening. Uh, so be sure to subscribe, and uh, for everything else, uh, find me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Lockdown SEC Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.